You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Well, hey, you guys, hope that you are doing well. We are in part five of our series, The Worship Playlist. And uh, last week we had Amy Mitchell bring an incredible message. I'd really encourage you to go listen to that if you have not already done so. And we're going to just be walking through another song. What we've been doing is we've been taking lyrics from songs uh, that we sing in church, some that we maybe don't, but are just popular worship songs, and looking at the inspiration behind them, the scripture behind them, and trying to pull relevant lessons for us today. So this week we're going to be looking at a song called Available by Elevation Worship. And the first line I want to look at says this. It says, narrow as the road may seem, I'll follow where your spirit leads. I think at face value that this line is pretty straightforward, but I do think that it brings up a question. Do we view a narrow road as restrictive or protective? Do we view a narrow road as restrictive or protective? Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I remember hearing that verse growing up and feeling fear and anxiety, and I think it was because I associated the narrow gate with making sure that boxes were checked and rules were followed. Undoubtedly, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat things here. He was not parsing words when he laid out this statement. But I think that it's really important for us to understand that it wasn't to bring fear, but it was to bring direction. Jesus was making it incredibly clear that the answer to eternity wasn't found in a slew of different options. He was making it clear that the simple path, the narrow path, was him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus simply says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I've had conversations with people on a regular basis to say, like, I wish wish that there was more than one way to find eternity. I wish that Jesus wasn't the only way. And I usually say, yeah, me too. Like, I wish that I could do whatever I wanted and there wasn't really consequences and, and that it was just kind of this, this really easy thing that it was like, you know, at the end of the day, if, like, if you're just a good person, like, it is what it is. That, that would be great. That'd be great for our humanity would love that. But Jesus understanding that our humanity leads to destruction, understanding that left to our own choices, we usually cause pain to ourselves or to others says, no, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And it's not because he's like, no, I just want to be the way he's saying, no, like I have the best things for my creation that human flourishing will happen when they follow me because I am the way I am the truth. I am where they are going to find life. Like, listen, the the life that Jesus has called us to is not easy, but I also want to make it really clear that it's not complicated. Most of the time, clarity isn't the issue. Most of the time we make excuses. I'm just waiting for Jesus to make a little bit more clear to me. I just open doors and close doors and I need clarity. I need clarity. But clarity isn't usually the issue. Obedience is because thousands of years ago, Jesus made it really, really clear on how we're to love him and how we're to follow him and how we're to love people. That's not, we don't need clarity on that. He said, go and love me and love people. Tell them how much I love them. That, that's all the clarity that we need. Our decision is whether we're going to be obedient to that. You see, 
That is the narrow road. Obedience is the narrow road. It's hard to be obedient to our creator. And that is a narrow road. That is a narrow gate that Jesus is asking us to walk through. So many of us would probably identify with the thought that life would be so much easier if God wasn't so demanding. But the fact of the matter is that he's really not. But in our minds, our humanity makes us make him out to be demanding. He gives us freedom, but we want more. He gives us freedom to to make decisions because he loves us so much, but we always want more. See, we always want to be able to do whatever we want, but when we do those things, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Last week, I had the opportunity to go up with a couple buddies of mine, uh, Jake and Brandon, and we uh, went to our campground, camp on the boulder up in the boulder valley, and uh, we're, we're installing a new disc golf course. The three of us love disc golf. And uh, we we decided, like, hey, we, we need to update this thing. We're going to put in new baskets, new tee pads, new area of our acreage up at camp. And it is great. It's, like, up on the tree line in the Boulder Valley. It's going to be a, a really fun place to play. And there's all these, like, hills and rocks. And there's not really a lot of, like, easy places to walk. But we get through the whole day. It's like a 10-hour day, and we're digging out tee pads, and we're doing nine of them. We get to the ninth one, and it's this like fun like 450-foot throw. And so we throw, and then it's downhill to get to where the basket's going to be. And there's a path. There's like really not a path in this whole course except on this ninth hole. There's this path that goes down, and I don't know what my thought process was here, but we throw our discs, and I'm like, I want to go find where my disc is. And so I start. I just take off in front of Brandon and Jake. And I don't take the path because that would be way too easy. And I'm walking over rocks and I'm trying to like take this shortcut to get down to where I think that my disc landed. And I get down towards the bottom of this hill and there's still the path. There's still like this, this, this clearing that's like easy walking. And I'm like, no, I'm going to like cut across over here and there's this bush and I'm 32. So like I'm not old, but I got old ankles. I have a really old right ankle and I decide to like hop over the top of this bush to get to where I'm trying to go. And I just roll my ankle so bad and it just like folds in half, bap, bap. And oh, it hurt so incredibly bad. And they're looking at me like, why did you do that? Like there was such an easy decision to just go around, take 30 extra seconds and walk the path instead of trying to cut through all that. And it led to pain and it, it still hurts a week later. Like it still hurts. See, I think oftentimes that God provides clear directions to us and, and a path for us to walk on, but we want to sometimes take shortcuts. And I think what we have to understand is that path wasn't there to restrict me from going where I wanted to go. I was still going to get to the place that I needed to go. And just like that, Jesus lays out these clear paths and he's like, this isn't restrictive. This is protective. You will still arrive. You will still arrive at the place that you want to be, but you're going to do it without the rolled ankles, without the pain, without the suffering, without causing destruction in your own life or the lives of other people. See Psalm chapter 143 verse 10 says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. And that's our next point, level ground. Would we be people who are open to the leading of the Holy Spirit that when we see level ground, when we see a path that is laid out in front of us, we would not run away from it, but we would lean into it. You see, we're immersed in a world where so many are focused on reliance on self, but would we be reliant on the Holy Spirit creating level ground in our lives? 
Would we understand that Jesus is out in front of us creating a clear direction for us? But here's the thing. If we're going to pray for level ground, if we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to to walk out in front of us and give us direction, we better be willing to walk on it. That as Jesus creates level ground, we would be people who take steps on that level ground towards what he is calling us to do, what he is calling us to be. The next uh, line of the song available says, broken as my life may be, I will give you every piece. Broken as my life may be, I will give you every piece. The next point this week is our suffering is simple surrender. Our suffering, or I'm sorry, our offering, our offering is simple surrender. Listen, I'm not saying that, that surrender is simple. But what I am saying is that complicated surrender isn't an offering. If I'm going to approach the throne of Jesus and surrender, my prayer is that I don't come with a mental list that, that I would say, like, you can have this, but not this. And, and you can have me in these seasons. I'm totally yours in those seasons, but not in those seasons. And in these situations, I'm fully, fully surrendered and fully willing to follow what you are asking of me. But in these situations, I might not even even like recognize or even indicate that I have a relationship with you at all. You see, complicated surrender isn't an offering. Simple surrender is. And simple surrender means complete. Simple surrender means all the pieces, the big ones that, that could probably pass as being our, our whole life, that the pieces of our lives are like, I could probably get away with people believing that this piece of my life is my, my entirety. We're going to surrender those things and also those these little shattered pieces where people are like, oh, that is such a broken, messy piece. Like, I don't know if you could ever get that thing put back together with the other pieces that it broke from. That we would say, instead of trying to, to navigate all of the broken pieces of our lives and instead of delegating some to the surrender pile and some to, to the I'm going to hold these close to the chest pile, that we would just be like, nope. I'm going to give you every piece. I know that there's a lot of broken pieces, Jesus. I know that I'm not full. I know I'm not complete, but I know that if I surrender these things to you, you can put me back together. Psalm chapter 51, verses 15 through 17 say, Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, and you, God, will not despise. We have to be people who fight against the desire to present ourselves to Jesus as fully acceptable and understand that instead we are just fully accepted right now, today. So it's not about presenting ourselves as fully acceptable, but understand that we're fully accepted as we are. We should undoubtedly give him our, our praises and our successes, but we should also be people who give him our mess. And we should be people who watch Jesus work through our mess and watch Jesus work with our mess. That we would understand that all of our broken pieces are going to match up with other people's broken pieces. And we'll be able to say, yeah, like I, I understand what you're going through. I've been there or I'm there right now. Let's walk this thing out together. That's why family and community is so incredibly important. Next, the line that we're going to look at says, I hear you call. I'm available. I say, yes, Lord, I'm available. There's a story out of the book of first Samuel chapter three, and it's about this young man named Samuel. And he's working for this, this prophet named Eli. He hears the voice of God 
and and Samuel walks into Eli's room thinking that it's Eli calling him. And he goes, yeah, here I am. What do you need from me? And Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Then he hears the voice of God again. And he comes into Eli's room again. And he goes, yeah, here I am. Like, what do you need? What can I do for you? And Eli's like, no, like that wasn't me. And then he hears it a third time and he comes in. And he's like, I, here I am. Here I am. What can I do for you? And Eli's like, no, I, I didn't call you. And in that moment, he realizes that it's the Lord who is calling Samuel. We're going to pick up 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. It says, A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went away and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The question I want to ask is, are we honestly available? Can we honestly say that we are available? This is really the whole idea of the song. And I think that it's really easy to sing the words, I'm available. I'm available. I say, yes, Lord, I am available. But when it comes to our day-to-day life, it can be really difficult to actually live that out. And here's what I love about Samuel in the story. He not only responded with availability, but he did it multiple times that even when Eli had nothing for him, even when he didn't fully recognize that it was the voice of God, he still responded with availability. If God only asked things of us when we personally felt ready to step into the call, but that isn't how life works. You've probably heard this before, but there's this phrase that says the best ability is availability. The best ability is availability. And there's some incredible truth in that statement. It doesn't mean that we become people who lack in preparation. It just means that through daily growth and struggle, We say, no matter where I'm at today, Jesus, like I'm yours, use me. That no matter how far along I am, no matter how prepared I feel, I want to be available. You see, God's call is an opportunity to respond. No matter the timing, no matter the calling, there's always a response. Silence is a response. Rejection is a response. Obedience is a response. The question we have to ask ourselves, is our response one of availability? Isaiah chapter six, verse eight says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. My hope is that I do not get caught up in my qualifications or I do not get caught up in my shortcomings, but that I just become someone who says, whatever it is, Jesus, whatever it is, here I am. Send me, send me. I am 10% ready. Send me. I'm a hundred percent ready. Send me. I'm 50%. I'm, I'm ready. Here I am. See, here's the thing. We need to understand the power of no in our relationships. 100%. When it comes to our human relationships, we need to understand the power of no. But when it becomes, when it comes to Jesus, Would we be people who always say yes? That if we know that the Lord is calling us to something, that he would not call us to something that is not for our benefit, he would not call us to something that is for the benefit of other people, that is not for the benefit of other people. So if we know that Jesus is intent on our own human flourishing, if we know that Jesus is intent on the flourishing of the people in our lives, would we be people who always say yes to Jesus? The next line of the song says, here I am with open hands, counting on your grace again. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but I want to point out that one word again. Every one of us would love to think that we only need the grace of Jesus once, and then we will pull ourselves together and, and we'll be buttoned up and we'll be perfect. But what we actually know is that we need Jesus to give us his grace daily. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for me. What you did, what I did, what you're doing, what I'm doing, what we will do, again and again and again. His grace is sufficient. And it's so important that we lean into that truth and that we understand that it's not an excuse, but it is a truth. And that we can live under that truth and saying, this is not an excuse for me to go do whatever I want, but it's a truth that I can live under that no matter what, his grace is sufficient for me. The last line I want to look at says, for the one who gave me life, nothing is a sacrifice. Use me how you want to God, want to God, have your throne within my heart. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 14 through 16 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. We sacrifice little because he sacrificed much. We sacrifice little because he sacrificed much. I don't want to discount the sacrifices that we make in our life. Following Jesus is not easy. We have to fight against our humanity. But what we also have to understand is that the sacrifices that we make in our lives pale in comparison to the sacrifice that he ultimately made on the cross. And in the end, the sacrifices that we're making to go against our human desires, to, to say, I'm not going to enter into that addiction, or I'm not going to enter into this unhealthy relationship, all of those things, like while being sacrifices because we're having to fight against our humanity, ultimately are things that Jesus is trying to keep us from in the beginning. So we're really just sacrificing bad things because we, we aren't usually called to sacrifice the things that God would have for us to start with. That the healthy relationships and, and, and things like like inevitably we're gonna have to give up good things to 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 grab on to the better things that Jesus has for us. But but I my prayer is that I do not try to convince myself that me sacrificing by being uh, obedient, that me sacrificing by not entering into a sinful lifestyle is is this this massive thing, this massive sacrifice. Like I, I want to have some some healthy pride about being obedient to Jesus, but also understand like I'm not gonna put myself on par with what Jesus has already done, that we sacrifice a little bit because Jesus sacrificed much. I, I want to ask a couple questions here to, to, to end the podcast and maybe give you just a second to, to reflect on these things or, or carry with you this week is what's the biggest thing that you've had to sacrifice in order to follow Jesus? And a follow-up question would be, was it worth it? Is it worth it? What are the things that you have to give up to follow Jesus and I don't mean I don't mean this in a way that's like if you don't do this then you don't then like you Jesus doesn't love you. Like Jesus loves you no matter whether you make the sacrifice or not. Like that that's something that's absolutely astronomically important that we understand that despite where we find ourselves on a daily basis Jesus loves us the same. He's not dependent on his love is not dependent on whether we make the right decisions. But for our own thought process for our own reflection is it worth it? Like, do we understand how incredible it is that we are offered eternity and is giving up the booze or giving up the sex or giving up the, the gossip or giving up all those things and sacrificing those parts of our lives? Is it worth following Jesus? And my hope is that we would always come to the conclusion that, yeah, absolutely anything and everything is worth it if it means 
that I get to be with Jesus? And the second question is, is what would we be willing to sacrifice for the people in our life to know Jesus? If we are willing to sacrifice for ourselves to have a relationship with Jesus, what would we be willing to sacrifice for the people that we love and the people that we don't love, people that, that we have a hard time with? What would we be willing to give up for them to know the love of their creator? I think if we can answer those questions, I think that if we if we can confidently step into it and say, hey, Lord, whatever you need from me, here I am, whatever you need me to give up, whatever you need me to do, wherever you need me to go, in order for people to know how much they're loved by their father, yeah, I'm willing to do just that. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.